I think what people get caught in is this analysis paralysis because now there's so many resources out mm-hmm. there. How mm-hmm. are you ever going to get through all of them? You're not. Right. So you just have to figure, you know, at a certain point, you just got to pull that trigger and just do it. And if, mm-hmm. you know, maybe a home run, maybe not, but right. you'll learn in the process. You're listening to Investing for Good, a show that brings you the stories and strategies of people who are investing to build a legacy for their families, create a meaningful and intentional life by design, and impact the world around them. And now, here are your hosts, Annie Dickerson and Julie Lamb. Hey everyone, Annie Dickerson here together with Julie Lamb, and today we've got another fun solo episode for you where it'll just be me and Julie shooting the breeze, you know, talking about what we do. How are you, Julie? I'm doing well. How about you? You ready for our this episode? I'm super excited because I get the yeah. chance to interview you and find <laughs> out in. more about Ask your all journey. the questions. Yeah. Yes. I'm super excited because you've done so much in real estate investing in your own personal deals. And so really curious to kind of deep dive into that because I still am not at your level uh, when it comes to oh, doing these stop. personal deals. <laughs> <laughs> and you are at, what are you? at now 25 we've sold off some so we sold some at the peak last year so i think we're down to about 20 now 20 okay there was a time though where since we've been working together that you were almost at 50 right yeah there was (laughs) almost yeah yeah Uh i remember Uh that because you said i think you had the 25 and you guys were looking at a 25 unit right that's right we were super close tell us about buying that first property what it meant to you guys and then what happened from there and how you went to and tell the story about A, B, C, D and yeah. like, tell us about that and how you got, what letter are you guys at now? I guess whatever the 20th we letter is. It. So we're, right. <laughs> we're at golf now. So what Julie's talking okay. about is we name our investment properties after the letters of the alphabet. So we have Alpha, Bravo, Charlie, Delta, Echo, Foxtrot, and golf. Um, okay. And so that's where we stopped with our personal investments, where we started picking it up more with the passive investments. Got it. Uh, but hotel, funny enough, which would be H, was the one where it was going to be a bigger multifamily, uh-huh. which was going to be 25 units. We didn't follow through with that one, but that would have been funny. But yeah, take it, going back to that first one, um, you know, in that previous episode, you had talked about house hacking and renting out mm-hmm. the rooms um, in that single family home you had bought in Oakland. Well, at the time we were in our, my husband and I were in our early twenties. We had just gotten married. We were living in Washington, DC and, uh-huh. um, we started looking at houses. We, we hadn't saved up very much to be uh-huh. honest. Yeah. We were yeah. just like, well, we got married. The next thing on the checklist, let's see. Yep. Buy a house, buy a house <laughs> yeah. is the next thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah totally. And, and so we started, um, one of his coworkers at the Kennedy Center actually was, um, transitioning into real estate. So we worked with him as our realtor and we had started, you know, looking at condos and lofts in the, in the nicer areas of, um, DC. And then in one conversation, the realtor said, you know, have you considered looking at some of these row homes? Mm-hmm. And he said, often in these row homes, there's not one unit, but two. 
So Mm -hmm. you would live in one unit and you could rent out the basement in law suite. It's an entirely separate unit with its own entrance, its own kitchen, its own bathroom. And, you know, being young 20 somethings, we we had been used to living in dorms in college and with roommates. So we were like, yeah, sure. A space. We're totally down for that. And you get some money every month. Let's do that. (laughs) And so, Funny story. This one is one I don't tell often on podcasts. Um, the way that we found that first property, Alpha, uh-huh. was actually because of a, a passive aggressive fight that my husband and I had. <laughs> At the time, I was very passive aggressive, wound very <laughs> tightly. Um, so he, we had been looking at houses. We had even looked at a fourplex and fixers and all of this stuff. We were just looking in general. Mm. This was 2008. Um, a lot of things unbeknownst to us were happening. We didn't fully understand the economics at the time. Um, we were just looking at what was on the market. And then one night he happened to go out with friends. This is where the passive aggressive part comes in. So he was going out with friends and he was supposed to be home at a certain time. And then I don't hear from him. Uh And then I'm texting him and trying to call him. He's like, yeah, I think he maybe got back and was like, oh, I'm still going to be out for a little while. And I'm like, what? Are you serious? You said you were going to be home at this time. We were like newlyweds. (laughs) Like, come on. And so I'm like, fine. Forget it. I'm just going to bed. I'm going to bed. Forget about it. And so I turned everything off. I turned off the lights and I, I lay there in bed and I was just so, I was just Doing. so mad. I was just like, <laughs> ah, I can't believe you did this. I couldn't sleep. So then finally I was like, oh, forget it. I turned the lights back on. I got out my laptop and I started looking at properties. Uh-huh. And so I'm scrolling through, scrolling through, and there was the new one that had been listed that day and it was a uh-huh. foreclosure. Uh-huh. And you know, sometimes in life when you just like, you just know, you yeah. know something. Yeah. So I opened it up and I opened up that first picture and I looked at it and it was just from the door of the, the main unit looking in and there was this beautiful full brick wall all the way down one side mm-hmm. of the, the house. Mm-hmm. And I looked at that and I was like, oh my God, this is the one. Uh-huh. And I was like, in that instant, all of my anger just dissipated. I was yeah. just like, oh my gosh, this is the house. It was a foreclosure and so it was priced below market. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, this looks like it's in really good shape compared to a lot of the other properties we had been looking at. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like digging, I'm looking at the neighborhood, I'm looking at comps, like the basement in-law suite, what we could rent that for. I'm trying to figure all that out. So by the time my husband actually made it home, <laughs> I, was, I was no longer angry. I was like, honey, look at this. I found this property. Uh, (laughs) And so that was the one. That was the one we purchased. And had we not had that fight or argument or whatever it was, we may never have found it, which is just crazy. Yeah. I think that's so interesting how you said that, you know, you were looking at the comps and you were trying to figure out what you could get for it because you were probably trying to figure out like, okay, if I spend this much and I put this money down and my mortgage payment is X, $3,000 a month, how much at the end of the day am I going to be obligated to pay, right? Like if let's say you could rent it out for $1,500, okay, well then you'd have to pay half your mortgage or let's say it was more or less, Mm -hmm. you know, like you need to know that, right? And so it's funny how, because we talked about this 
little bit in, mm-hmm. in the last episode with me, um, you know, how you're, you've got to kind of, you're laying the foundation for all, so much that we use today in the world of, of, of investing and decision-making and all of that. And I think that, you know, you really can't underestimate the value of, of doing smaller deals because mm-hmm. we clearly have learned so much. Okay. So you guys found that deal. You, you ended up, I'm assuming you went out, you put the offer, you guys bought the deal. Was there anything in that first deal that you like skill sets you've learned, knowledge you acquired in doing that first deal that is stuff that still helps you yeah. like today in making investment decisions? You know that poster that's like everything I I need I learned in kindergarten. In kindergarten. Yeah. That's how I feel about that first property. <laughs> it's like everything I know about real estate investing and multifamily and syndication, it comes yeah. back to um, that very first deal because we learned so much on that first deal. Like all these little tidbits that you can only learn I think if you're on the ground and you're in the property and you're in the weeds day to day, Mm -hmm. I mean, so we bought that property. First of all, we bought it with very little down. It was, Mm -hmm. I think we bought it for um, Mm $480,000 was the sales price. It was a three bedroom, one and a half bath upstairs and downstairs, it was a one bedroom, one bath. Mm-hmm. And it was in the Columbia Heights neighborhood of DC, um, which was up and coming at the time. And it was two, about two blocks away from the only Target in the city. Now that's mm-hmm. gold right there. <laughs> and so there's a metro station there too. And there were restaurants popping up all over the place. One of my favorite pizza places in the world, Red Rocks Pizza, was right down the road. So it was a great neighborhood. Real quick, I want to ask stop here. Did you at that time think about all of this? Like, was this part of your decision Mm. to buy was like the analysis of like the location and the, you know, the target nearby and, you know, your, the favorite pizza place and like up and coming, like we always talk about investing in the path of progress, right? Because that's, you're kind of catching it on the upswing. Like, were you doing that unknowingly at the time? Like, were you doing that analysis like back then? Yeah, that's such a good question. And people ask me all the time now, like, did you, do all that analysis back then? Did you do all the underwriting? And it was no. Mm-hmm. It was, I mean, on some level, I think I knew, but yeah. I certainly didn't have the spreadsheets. I didn't do the formal research that we now do on the mm-hmm. markets and submarkets. I wasn't really looking at the schools and the quality mm-hmm. and the crime stats. It was just, mm-hmm. and DC crime stats, don't even get me started. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I was sort of loosely, that's why I mentioned the target because that was the main thing. I was like, there's a target here people like people are going to start moving into this area and I didn't quite like I think I knew on some level that if more people moved in the prices would go up there would be higher demand like on some level I knew that I just Mm -hmm. didn't know to necessarily go and look at you know rent increase percentages and like you know population density and I didn't know to look at all that stuff back then Mm-hmm. But on a gut level, I knew mm-hmm. like something's happening here, something yeah. exciting. And I think this is a great area to be in. Same actually on that point, same with the underwriting. You know, now we have all these complicated spreadsheets every time mm-hmm. we look at a property and we're like mm-hmm. doing sensitivity analysis, analysis, stress testing, all of yeah. this stuff. 
And then it was really just like, I mean, we had a really bare bones spreadsheet. It was like, okay, this is how much the property would cost. This is how much we are putting in for the down payment. Mm -hmm. This is our mortgage amount per month. Okay. And then at the low end, this is what we think we could rent it out for. Mm -hmm. And in the Mm -hmm. high end, this is what we think we could rent it out for. And that's it. And then we looked at it and we were like, okay, well, if we got the lower end, that would mean that we'd pay this much in mortgage every mm-hmm. month. And how does that number compare to say, if we were to rent out a place mm-hmm. instead? Mm-hmm. And so really that's, that's it. We didn't get into like reserves and CapEx <laughs> and all of this stuff that we do now. It was just like, Okay. Does it feel good? Okay. How about you? You feel good about this? Okay. Anyone who's listening, you just get out there and you just do it. And you know, you'll, I think that's the important thing is you get out there and you do it because I think all too often, especially newer investors who are coming in right now, think they've got to do all of that fancy stuff. And I'm not sitting here telling you, you shouldn't. I'm just saying that if you don't necessarily think you've got it all down pat. I think the important thing is that you get out there and you start doing to the best of your ability, right? And it's getting out there. And I think we were talking on a podcast the other day and they mentioned, you know, Kiyosaki saying that, you know, wealth is really in the experience of the things that you do in your life. And so, you know, it's the doing, it's not the having, right? It's not the having the, Mm -hmm. the cash flowing house or having, you know, all meeting all of your goals. It's the experience that you need to go through to get to where you're trying to go is just, if not more meaningful Mm -hmm. than the outcome and achieving that goal in and of itself. So I think that's important for people to remember too. I couldn't agree more. And I think it's almost a blessing that we weren't involved in the whole real estate world. You know, we didn't Mm -hmm. know there was no bigger pockets back then. We hadn't even, I hadn't even read Rich Dad, Poor Dad at that Mm -hmm. point. Mm -hmm. I didn't know anything. I, and it was almost a blessing because otherwise think of it, we would have been like, Oh, we can't do this until we have the spreadsheet together. Right. We can't do this until we've read XYZ books or taken all of these courses. And that's, I think what people get caught in is this analysis paralysis because now there's so many resources out Mm -hmm. there. How -hmm. are you ever going to get through all of them? You're not. Right. So you just have to figure, you know, at a certain point, you just got to pull that trigger and just do it. And if, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe a home run, maybe not but you'll learn in the process. Have you been thinking about investing in real estate, but aren't sure you have the time or the desire to manage the investment? Perhaps you're afraid like we were that you'll make the mistake of choosing the wrong market or the wrong team and lose your entire investment. Well, that's exactly why we created the Good Egg Investor Club. We do the work of identifying solid real estate investment opportunities in the best markets around the country and then partner with you to acquire these investments and then we'll all share in the returns. We'll identify the growing markets, strong, experienced teams, and the solid deals. We do all the heavy lifting of managing the tenants and the renovations, and as a passive partner, you get to enjoy all the benefits of investing in real estate, monthly cash flow, long-term appreciation, and the ongoing tax benefits. When we first discovered passive investing through real estate syndications, we realized it fit perfectly into our busy lives. We could put our money to work for our families, work less, and get more time back in our days so that we could focus on what matters most and discover our true passion and purpose in life. 
We've now helped hundreds of people invest passively in real estate syndications and are seeing the positive impact it's had on their lives. We invite you to partner with us by joining the Good Egg Investor Club today so you can start putting your money to work for you and get more time back in your day. Because we know that when people have more time in their days, they can do the true work they were intended to do and the world will be a better place. To sign up for the Good Egg Investor Club, go to goodegginvestments.com slash invest and we'll take it from there. That's goodegginvestments.com slash invest. So you bought that first place, you did your semi-underwriting and analysis of the location. How did you go, this always intrigues me, how did you go from one to 25 or to 20, wherever you are at now? What was it? Because I think it was, you had mentioned a few years ago that you discovered a market and you were like, this is it. And it was just like, I'm going to buy everything I can get my hands on here. So tell us about that because I never went through that. I only have, you know, a handful of properties at a time. I've never gotten to a point where I said, okay, I'm going to buy, I'm going to max out Fannie Freddie and I'm going to do the 10 on my husband, 10 on me and and all of that. For anyone Mm -hmm. who's listening and doesn't know what I'm talking about, you're only allowed to have a maximum of 10 loans in in your name and your spouse's name mm-hmm. so or somebody else's name so personally you're only allowed yeah. to have 10 so if you're trying to maximize the number of spots that you have in your buying power don't buy jointly with your spouse if you can avoid it so that each of you can have the 10 and the 10 and you can ha- end up having 20 like Annie Annie did so tell us about that and and how you went and how you decided on that market and why you decided to go all in and tell us about that experience because I'm sure there's people listening that have want to do what you did and don't know how to go from one or two like myself right. to to gaining confidence how how do you even decide on a market how did you discover that market what was some of the, the analysis behind that that you did and then and then tell us about actually diving in and buying all of those well first I should say before I dive into the story is that we don't don't actually have 20 properties. Okay. So they are across, um, so alpha through golf. So that's seven, seven. I believe, yeah, I seven yeah. properties. Seven. Mm-hmm. Um, so a number of them are fourplexes, eightplexes, so smaller okay. multifamily. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Um, and so here's how it happened. So we bought alpha, mm-hmm. that first house hack, and we said, hey, working pretty well. Let's do another one. (laughs) And so six months later, we found another one um, actually on the same block, if you can believe it. Uh, But here's how much the market had appreciated. That first one we bought for $480,000. That second one we bought for $580,000. Oh my goodness. $100,000 more in six months, same block. What year was this? 2009? This was 2009. Yeah. Okay. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And so we were like, oh my gosh, things are happening. Let's jump on this, you know? And so we used, actually, we didn't use an FHA for the first one. We ended up using it for the second one. Mm -hmm. And so we put down very little again, and Mm -hmm. uh, we were able to get this, this property and same, same thing. We had a basement in-law suite. We rented that out. And so- Why didn't you guys use FHA on the first one? I think it had to, I can't remember exactly. I think it had to, something to do with the foreclosure and the requirements there. Oh, got it. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So we ended up using it on that second one. Um, but then, you know, it's not like 
we ha- so we had these two duplexes, but we didn't mm-hmm. think of ourselves as real estate investors. Totally. We were like, <laughs> no, this is just a thing that we do. You know, we just we yeah. bought one duplex, it works. So we bought another one. Right. And now that yeah. works. And it wasn't like we were like, oh, let's purposely like, let's grow to four units and eight units and 12 units. We were just like, okay. So we did those couple of things. Cool. Let's keep living life, you Uh know? So from DC, we then actually, we took a break. We moved to Vancouver for a few years, Vancouver, Mm -hmm. Canada. Mm -hmm. I went back to school to study video game design and um, the real estate market there is quite different actually. Mm -hmm. So we sat out the prices to buy are extremely high because there's a lot of foreign competition or foreign money coming in Mm -hmm. as well. But then the rental prices are really low. Mm -hmm. So the rents couldn't cover the mortgage. There was still this huge gap. So we were like, okay, that doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. Let's just keep renting here. Mm -hmm. Um, So we rented while we lived in Vancouver and then now we live in Oakland. So once we moved to Oakland, we thought, Hey, let's do that duplex thing again. That mm-hmm. was really cool. Okay. So then we did that. So then um, when we moved to Oakland, whenever we look at real estate deals, I always love to look where other people aren't looking. So when we were looking at these duplexes, you know, a, a lot of the listings will be marked as multifamily. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of investors as well as house hackers are looking, they have that filter checked off, right? Multifamily. Yep. Yeah. But then I always, I look at that, but I always also look at single family homes with at least say four or five bedrooms. Cause mm. there's a chance that even if it's not a legal or a full sized in-law, that mm-hmm. there's an opportunity there. Sometimes there's like a bedroom with a separate entrance or something yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this one that this first one that we found, Charlie, when we moved mm-hmm. to Oakland, this was one that was marked as a single family home, mm-hmm. but it ha- actually did have two individual units. It just wasn't mm-hmm. legally a separate unit. Mm-hmm. So it was marked as a single family home with five bedrooms. Mm-hmm. I thought five bedrooms, that's pretty big. So mm-hmm. I looked at it and I was like, wait, this has a, se- a separate kitchen, separate entrance. This is a whole sec- second unit. So we bought that one and that this was 2000. 15. So you were getting ready to sell your home in Oakland and uh-huh. I was just getting into the Oakland market. Uh-huh. So this was 2015. And then wait, I think it might've been 2014, 2014. Okay. Uh, because in 2016, we then bought um, Delta, which is the, the home we're living in now. Okay. So Alpha, Bravo, Charlie, Delta. So now we're living in Delta. It's also a duplex. And so then, so we were- that's eight. So we're at eight, right? Yes, we're at eight. Delta's eight, okay. (laughs) Yes. And we were happy, you know, with this duplex model. We were just like, let's just keep doing that. Let's just save up enough money and we'll just Mm -hmm. do it again. Rinse and repeat, right? In 2017, after we had bought Delta, I started to get more interested in real estate investing. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, let's, let's do more. Like I want to do more. Let's do another duplex. Let's grow mm-hmm. this thing faster. You know, mm-hmm. instead of doing one every few years, let's do like two in one year, you know, mm-hmm. let's see if mm-hmm. we could ramp it up. Then I started looking <laughs> around in Oakland, as you know, I was like, holy crap with now with two kids and my mom also lives with us. I was like, oh my gosh, we have to have at least four bedrooms for the main space and then a right. second unit. And it's going to be like a million dollars or more. Yeah. And then we have to save, you know, $200,000 or more for the down yeah. payment. And yeah. we can't do that twice a year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, 
Like, how are we possibly going to do that on my salary? And my husband uh-huh. was a fledgling real estate inv- uh, real estate agent at the time. Uh-huh. Like, this is impossible. So that's when I started looking into out-of-state out of investing. State. So uh-huh. I'm going to save that story for another time because there's so much we should dig oh, into there man. around how to find the markets and the brokers and the lenders and all of that stuff. Um, I definitely want to sink my teeth in there and share all of all the things that I learned there. Oh man, you're gonna make us wait. Why are you doing <laughs> yes. this to us? Oh man, I was so ready to dig into, but no worries. We'll save that for the next one. So much that we can learn from that process in and of itself. Um, I still remember I posted in Bigger Pockets a while back about investing out of state, and my post that I had, you know, posted got a ton of likes, and people just like, "Oh my gosh, you're doing exactly what I want to do." So out of state investing. We'll save that for another one. Um, and, and I did the same as well in 2017. The next yes. solo episode is out of state investing with Annie and Julie. <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing all of your, your stories and um, loved hearing that one about your um, passive aggressive. That's, that's, that's <laughs> aren't you lucky I worked through that, that already? <laughs> yeah, I know. Since I am your work wife, thank goodness yes. Joe had to deal with that first and not me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes, many, many years of that. <laughs> all right. Awesome. Well, we'll catch all of you on the next episode. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Investing for Good, the number one podcast for people like you who are investing to build a legacy for their families, create a meaningful and intentional life by design, and impact the world around them. For more resources, check out goodegginvestments.com slash podcast. And be sure to join the Investing for Good Facebook community. And don't forget to subscribe and give us a five-star review so we can continue to bring you amazing new conversations every week. Until next time, keep investing for good.